this episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we read the book Hunger by Roxane Gay. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that this is the second episode I've done on this book. In case you're curious, I have put a link to the first episode I did with Nicola Haggett in the show notes. I think the really interesting thing here is that we pull out different things from the book than I did in that first conversation. And some of the things that we do talk about for a second time, there's a different perspective. There's a different opinion, which is the true nature of a book club. The idea is that you all get the same material and different things feel important to different people. And I just love that. So before I jump into telling you about my guests, before I jump into telling you a bit about the book, let me start with a few things that are going on over here. I'll start with this. If you are new to my podcast, welcome. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate each and every one who listens to this podcast because (laughs) I tell you, when I first started, I thought it was just going to be me and... Well, not even my mom. She's too busy. (laughs) So I wasn't quite sure who would be interested in listening to me ramble on about books with another guest. I just wasn't sure that anybody would be all that interested. And here we are, well over a year, almost a year and a half worth of material, worth of books, and people are enjoying what's happening. And I just appreciate every single one of you. If you're new, I have a free resource for you. Uh, Just if this is kind of a new journey for you, if you're just starting on this body liberation thing that we talk about in this episode and you, you want to improve your body image, you want to be able to look at yourself and like what you're seeing, jump over to my website, IWishIWereMe.com. It'll be in the show notes and you'll see a big pink button right up at the top of the screen that says, get a copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. Go ahead and grab that because it's A, it's free and B, it is a checklist, which is really cool. And it's got some practical things that you can do to begin to start to change how you see yourself in the mirror. That will get you on my mailing list. And I think one of the really great things about my mailing list is I don't send you a lot of stuff. (laughs) I know most marketing experts would say that I am messing this up royally, but to be honest with you, I just want you to get a couple of things from me that are really, that make a difference. So I will send you a monthly email. It's pretty substantial. Uh, You get a little bit of a message from me, something that's going on in my life and how I'm looking at it through a body liberation lens a recap of all of my podcast guests for that month, a body image tip. This month, we just completed a series I was doing on boundaries with different groups of people and a social media spotlight, something that you should be listening to or reading or following. So it's a pretty hefty email. Right now, you also get four emails, one per week for the free virtual book club that I am doing. What's cool about the book club is that right now it is completely free. That is going to be changing. Eventually it will move over to a paid program, very small paid program. (laughs) And basically you get an email every single week that breaks down the section we were reading, gives you all the main points, 
gives you a little video from me about some of the things I wanted to highlight. It gives you some discussion questions, some journaling prompts, gives you some really awesome quotes from that section. It gives you a reading schedule for the book, breaking down exactly what parts of the book that we read for that week. And it gives you um, the entire book list for the entire year. So it shows you right up until December what books we're going to be covering in the book club. So it's a really substantial email that you get every single week with all of that in it. There is also a Facebook group attached to the book club, and that is completely free to join and will be free to join at any point in time. I'm going to put a link to that in to the show notes too. For a couple of reasons. I think the first and probably the most important reason is that if you've ever read one of these books and been like, oh, there was so much great information in there, and then you go to try to tell someone about that great information, Uh, I just read the part in uh, the book we're reading for this month where she talks about why dieting is really not a good idea for your body. And she talks about how, you know, we have a set point range of weight and that our body's not like a car. So you can't just put the calories in versus calories out and make that equation work exactly the way that you think it should. Because each one of our body's digestion systems are very, very different. And some of us will, will both eat a hundred calorie banana, but I might only actually digest and use about 80 calories and the 20 calories are going off into storage, whereas someone else might use the full 100 calories. So the calories in calories out equation doesn't actually work in real life with our bodies. And In the book we're reading for this month, which is called The Fuck It Diet by Carolyn Dooner, she goes into this as to why this doesn't work. Now, if you've ever gotten to a place where you've read something like that, been super excited about it, really wanted to talk to someone about it, and you put it out there, and then you fumble your words, and you're not quite sure how to say it, and the next thing you know, you're going, I don't know, I I don't, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, I must not be reading this right, and you just kind of let it go. What happens in the book club is that not only do you get an opportunity to read that section of the book, but then you get all the main points broken down. And then in the Facebook group, we discuss the discussion questions. So the discussion question could be, why does calories in versus calories out not work? And we can discuss what to say, what the main points of that are, what we need to really retain from that. And next thing you know, when you're going to talk to someone about it, the words are coming and they're coming a lot smoother and you're understanding where all of this stuff is coming from. The second reason why I think joining the Facebook group is a really great idea is that I post every time I book an interview with someone, I post the book we're going to be talking about. So you have an opportunity to tell me what questions I should ask my guest, which is awesome if you've read these books, if you like these books as much as I do. And lastly, I do giveaways. I give away a free book every single month. So as long as you're a member in there, you're entered for the draw. And there's not a lot of people in there right now, which makes it really great for you to be able to win a free book. This month, somewhere around the 20th of the month, I will be drawing for the book Dietland by Saray Walker. So if you're interested, make sure you click into the show notes and find and get in on the Facebook group. Two other quick things. 
First, if you like the book, The Body Is Not an Apology, I've got a great event for you. I'm going to be co-hosting with Hannah McAuley, who was a past guest on the podcast, her book club, where they're going to be talking about The Body Is Not an Apology. So if you're interested in that, I have put a link in the show note for that as well, because I think that's going to be a really great discussion. You get to talk with a lot of different people about what this book meant and what kinds of things we need to do to start moving towards radical self-love. Second, and this is super exciting, I have new merchandise. I have new merchandise. I'm so excited about this. The company I'm working with doesn't do size inclusive, so I am not going to be doing any type of t-shirts or sweatshirts or anything like that. This is just solid merchandise like mugs and uh, water bottles and uh, tote bags so you can carry all these great books. So click on the link in the show notes if you are interested. Okay, let me tell you about the book. So the book is Hunger by Roxane Gay. I'm going to be reading the summary of it from indigo.ca. New York Times bestselling author Roxane Gay has written with intimacy and sensitivity about food and bodies. Using her own emotional and psychological struggles as a means of exploring our shared anxieties over pleasure, consumption, appearance, and health. As a woman who describes her own body as wildly undisciplined, Roxanne understands the tension between desire and denial, between self-comfort and self-care. In Hunger, she casts an insightful and critical eye on her childhood, teens, and twenties, including the devastating act of violence that acted as a turning point in her young life and brings readers into the present and the realities, pains, and joys of her daily life. With the bracing candor, vulnerability, and authority that have made her one of the most admired voices of her generation, Roxanne explores what it means to be overweight in a time when the bigger you are, the less you are seen. Hunger is a deeply personal memoir from one of our finest writers and tells a story that hasn't yet been told, but needs to be. This is just such a great book. I'm excited that we're going to be doing this. Uh, my guest to discuss this book... And I am going to massacre her name. I am trying so hard. And even before we started, uh, me and her had this conversation. And I am just so much white girl pronunciation here. So again, I'm going to just apologize up front and do my best to get the name right. My guest is Damon Tawane. Let me read you her bio. Damon lives in the sunny California, U.S., She's been a feminist even before she knew what it meant and continues to work towards women empowerment, sometimes through conversations and sometimes volunteering with local organizations. She's an avid reader with a great love for fiction and stories with well-written and developed female characters. You can find her on Instagram at Damon Reads. She's also the host of 11 Questions podcast, where each week she interviews a new guest about their creative living and life experiences. She is also the co-host and creator of Brown Girls Reads podcast, where she discusses books through a brown lens. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Damon Tawane. Hi, Damon. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with a little bit about 
kind of how we met. So your podcast, can you talk a little bit about the name of your podcast, what you guys do on your podcast and how that all kind of came to be and started? So I actually have two podcasts. One of them is uh, 11 questions pod, which basically came out of the pandemic because all last year I felt like I'm not meeting people. I was missing that connection. So that's how the idea came to my mind. And now the Every week I meet a new creative person because that's the kind of people I want to meet. And mm-hmm. I just get to know them with 11 questions. And I have met amazing authors and artists so far. And I'm really enjoying that journey. And that's like a one-year project for me. So I don't have any plans beyond that. But for one year, it's like a goal that that I created for myself because I anticipated we are not going anywhere in 2021 either. <laughs> right, right. So do you ask the same question? No, it depends. So if I'm talking to an author, the questions are slightly different. And there are some questions I repeat because those are the questions I really want to ask everyone. But there are some I change depending on who the person is. I like dig a little deeper on each person before the interview. So I do that. I love it. That's cool. That's that's really cool. I actually I didn't I wasn't really aware that you had another podcast. So I love it. That sounds awesome. I'll make sure I put a link to that one. (laughs) Oh, thank you. But my Brown Girls Read podcast, it's uh, me and my friend, uh, Kathy, both of us started because uh, we met at a book club. We didn't like the book club so much. So we decided to create our own tiny book club with this. And we pick a book, we kind of read it through a brown lens. Both of us are Indian women who are living as immigrants in the US now. So we have that perspective whenever we are reading any book. And through that, we also try to amplify South Asian or people of color who are writing books because I f- we feel that that's important to, you know, highlight. And both of us, has, like, we have very different tastes in books. Like, she's more of a nonfiction person. I am more of, like, into stories. So we have covered a wide range of books on the podcast so far. And I think it's great because it gives me more books to read, which I otherwise would not. So true. So true. So what, what's what been kind of your favorite surprising read that you've done on your show? I think I would have to say Ikigai was that because when mm-hmm. uh, my co-host suggested that, I was like, how are we going to read this book? And with like a brown lens, right? Because it did not make sense to me. But mm-hmm. then when I read it, I was like, yeah, there's still so much in this we could talk about, like how our, <laughs> our culture does things and how Ikigai is bringing a different culture of doing things to it. So that mm-hmm. was like a nice surprise for me. Love it. I, I have been binge listening to your podcast. I think what you guys are doing is just awesome. It's oh, so thank awesome. You. And, uh, you know, I love book podcasts. I'm obviously I'm in the same kind of book space. Uh, but there are some podcasts you listen to and you're like, if I haven't read the book, I really don't know what's happening. That is not your podcast. And I, I love that about it. I just that was a it. conscious choice we made mm-hmm. um, in the beginning. If you really pay attention in the beginning, we were kind of all over the place. Like, do we do a summary of the book or do we give mm-hmm. our reviews or do we talk about our point of views? And very quickly we realized we just wanted to talk about our own experiences through the books. Mm-hmm. And because we Book reviews are everywhere. If you want to find a review, you can find it anywhere. So we didn't want to do that. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So no, that's great. I, and I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. Um, 
one of the books you guys did was another Roxanne gay book. You did Difficult yes. Women. So uh, what did you think? Uh, I mean, we're obviously going to dig deeper into all this stuff, but when you compare the two, what were your thoughts around uh, kind of similarities and differences between that book and this one? So I read Difficult Women first and I had read it even before we read it for the podcast again. So at that point, I felt it was a really, really powerful book. And whoever whoever has written it uh, has such a really intense experience mm. of life. Like there's no way those stories could come out. And when I read Hunger, which is a memoir, I it kind of, uh, you know, went into my belief from that book that yes, you can see how intense uh, Roxanne's life has been, how like terrible things have happened. And that also changed her view of the world. And then I could see, yes, this person can, is the one who can write difficult women. Yeah, I uh, I loved your guys' discussion about it. And as you guys were talking, I was like, there's so much here that kind of gets brought into hunger, or I guess maybe the other way around, Um because Hunger, like you said, is a memoir. It's nonfiction. It's her life. In theory, it's quote unquote factual and difficult women. It's fiction. But there was so many things that I could tell were overlapping and and she brought so many of her own experiences into it. So I thought that that was really interesting. And we didn't discuss all the stories from difficult women, but every single one of them was so powerful in some way mm. and it, mm-hmm. it's also a hard book mm-hmm. honestly like it's hard to read some of those stories but it's I guess her writing that keeps going yeah her writing is unique well let's move into hunger on a deeper level but I want to start with kind of um, a more superficial question I guess <laughs> She talks a lot about how books have impacted her and her life. There has been so many examples of how she used books as escapism, how books taught her different things going forward. Um, what Was there any books in your life that you felt really uh, were really pivotal, pivotal to your own journey? I think different books at different points. I have been into books since I was a kid, I guess. I was one of those kids who loved to read stories wherever I could find them, whether it's magazines or books. I would even ask my parents to buy me books whenever possible. So I guess at that point, it was like the Arabian Nights and these stories were really a big part of my life. But one of the recent books was Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig, because I found that book when I wasn't feeling so good about my life. And that I don't know if you have read it, but it's mm-hmm. his own journey out of depression. So that oh. is a very yes strong book. And I didn't realize I was depressed or almost depressed when I was reading the book. But I'm one of those people who highlights books a lot. And there is a chapter where he's like pointing out the signs he had when he was depressed. And I, I was like highlighting, highlighting. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> something is off. So um yeah, so I feel like that book definitely saved me in some way that I it brought something to my attention then I could take care of myself. And then there is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is one of my go-to books when I feel like I need inspiration in my life. 
So I've read it several times. Yeah, yeah, that one's a good one. I haven't read the Matt Haig book, but that sounds like that would have been, well, like you said, you you sat there and went, huh, wow, I think I could be. But it, like, I mean, it also must have been like, wow, I think I could be. Like, almost like where you were like, I mean, did that change things for you in oh, terms definitely. of like what you were doing for self-care, if you sought help? Like, did it change things in that way? Did it, was it literally... 180 with some things in your life oh for sure before that book I didn't realize I was depressed I just felt I was being lazy unproductive and that's and I kind of um, kept bullying myself over that like why are you so lazy why are you not being more productive at work and you know things like that and um, depression is not something that's talked about in our community so much nobody talks about it Uh, nobody understands the sign. So even people around me probably were just thinking I'm being a lazy slob who's not doing things. And I actually had something said to me to that effect. And because I was also a believer, I was like, yes, I am being lazy. I don't know why something is wrong with me, but I did not understand what was going on. So this book actually showed me that it's not my fault, that something is going on in my life that needs attention. So after that, I sought help. I saw a counselor and we talked about things and I would say I was a lucky person to have what they call a situational depression and because I, it came to my attention that this was going on I, I did a lot of work mm. to you know bring myself out of this so yes that book is always going to be one I say wow. <laughs> saved my life because wow. who knows right if I didn't recognize it like I would go from lazy to something else right right well and then you wouldn't get help and things wouldn't get better like it just get worse so uh the other book you mentioned Big Magic one of my favorites too that's a great book it is really inspiring she is very uh I mean Elizabeth Gilbert we could probably go on forever about her and her work but Big Magic is it's a really you could almost open it to any page and just read because there's so much in there it's like yes 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 <laughs> I have a quote up here on my board next to my desk yeah it says I can either live a drama or I can invent a drama but I do not have the capacity to do both at the same time and that's from big magic I always have it up there <laughs> lovely that's awesome Elizabeth Gilbert is always with you <laughs> books uh I mean they can be such a source of so many things and like you've just shown they can be such a big part of our lives and do amazing things for us even if we don't know the authors even if we you know like there's just so many amazing things and Roxane Gay talks about that too which I think is really great uh let's talk a little bit about and this is so funny that I spend so much time but I've done this 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 book once before and we spent a really good amount of time on this too. Uh, two things about the, the the title. One being, what does she mean by hunker? And the other being, why does she put the parentheses around the word my in body in the subtitle? So which one of those things would you like to talk about first? <laughs> I think the my part. Yeah. So what did you think about that? Because I have some thoughts. <laughs> I feel with that, she's telling the reader that, yes, this is my story. Yes, mm-hmm. this is a story of my body, but it could also be a story of other bodies. Mm. Oh, I like that. That's like a, 
opening it up to be about way more than just her. Oh, I like that a lot. I, I, when I read this book, my thought was that she's putting the word my around it because she never really felt like her body was her own. She felt like there were so many expectations put from other people, so many different perceptions from other people. So the my is to separate it and be like, I'm not really quite sure if it's mine. And so wow, I yeah. didn't see it, but yes, I love, I love, I love asking this question because it comes up with different things for different people. So that is such a, that's such a good interpretation. That's so cool. Yeah, I think I went into the relatability of it mm. when I read it. So that's why I think it's her story, but it could also be a story of other bodies. But yes. what you are saying also makes so much sense. I, I think, I think I'd love to know if she actually answers the question I know. Now I'm curious. I feel like I need to find a way to talk to her. <laughs> but it is know. such an interesting thing to to think about. It, and obviously both are right. You know, like that's what I love about this book, about any book, really. Um, what did you think about using the word hunger? What is she hungry for? What is it? Uh, is there a metaphor there? Is, she, is there another message by using that word as the title? I think it's very direct in some ways like hunger is hunger in this book yeah but it also is a representation of our needs as humans because whether it's food we need or we need love or attention it's it's kind of a hunger the way i see it and sometimes when we don't get one we fill with another and that's usually the case with food like if you don't get love or attention, you try to fill that gaping hole in your life with food a lot of times. And that's how I saw hunger here. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even in her own story, like all the things that happened to her kind of left some kind of hole in which because she didn't talk to anyone about it, she was dealing with it herself. So food was the comfort that mm-hmm. she used to fill that. Normally, I remember to do this at the beginning, but I forgot. And now I'm editing and realizing that this needed to be said. There is a trigger warning for this episode. In Roxanne Gay's book, she talks about a rape. So if that is going to trigger you, please ensure that you are taking care of yourself and not listening to this week's episode. And what... What did you think about the fact that she didn't talk to anyone about what happened to her? Like she's 12 when it happened. So she's really quite young when she, she was raped. She was gang raped by a group of boys, extremely traumatic. Uh, She's now in her forties and through almost that entire time, she didn't openly talk to anyone about it. She created stories, fictional stories around other people who have had these traumatic events um, she's kind of alluded to it in other interviews and other things she's done, but she'd never really talked to anyone about that situation. What did you think about that? What did you think about um, holding it in for that long? And and uh, I don't know, just dealing with the trauma internally that the way she did. Firstly, I just feel how lonely it would be to live like that. And my second thought is it's... It's our society that does that, right? Because even though you say um, she's 12, what does she know? She is a child. She should just come to her parents. But no, we start getting the messages much earlier in our life. Mm-hmm. Like she 
keeps repeating in the book too that she had to be a good girl mm-hmm. a good girl and what is a good girl a good girl is one who does everything right has no um stain on her character mm-hmm. so to speak and the way the definition is portrayed in society it's like a good girl is responsible for being a good girl mm-hmm. everything is her fault and her responsibility if something bad happens she must have caused it and we have enough examples of victim blaming in front of us even when we don't know it's victim blaming that's what happens right yeah. if you were drunk it's your fault you were drunk it's not the fault of somebody who molested you or raped you it's your fault you were there so yeah. imagine how hard it is to think as a 12 year old that i'm going to go tell this to my parents and they're going to scold me they're going to ground me i will not be able to go out see my friends so you don't no. and this reminds me of an experience i had like not to compare experiences cuz i have been lucky to not experience that in my life but um when i was about 15 14 somewhere around mm-hmm. there uh one time um we used to go to these uh extra tuitions before school mm-hmm. at that time because we had some exams coming up and this is in india years ago so i think it was winter so mornings are a little dark and i used to bike to my tuition mm-hmm. and there was this one guy who kind of noticed that i used to come by every time uh, every day that time mm-hmm. and because it's so early in the morning there weren't many people around so one day he kind of like grabbed my bike and um tried to stop me i don't know what his intentions were i kind of like froze my voice wouldn't come out i went into that and finally i managed to scream help 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 and you know uh then he just went away and i came back home and i told my parents i fell in a ditch because it's so dark you sent me to tuition so early in the morning i'm not going to go to this tuition so i didn't tell my parents i didn't tell anyone oh. so <laughs> it's a small incident in comparison but yeah like i also didn't tell because i knew they'll be like okay you don't go out now you stay at home you will not go out in dark because i will suffer the consequence and i didn't want my freedom stripped away yes we feel ashamed of the situation when it happens to us and if we tell our parents i know i'm i i've also kind of not told my parents certain things that have happened to me uh because if they make that choice for me then i feel like they're almost punishing me yeah they come from the best intention of protecting us but the only course of action is somehow lock us up which yeah. we don't want to happen like we want yeah. to live our lives like yes. normal people like to get to i related when she talked about the good girl stuff um because it's oh, like that term is almost become triggering for me like just i don't want to be good girl i don't like stop putting no. that on young girls that you have to be good girls and it doesn't stop there you have to be good girl you have to be a good wife you have to be a good daughter yes. or good something it doesn't stop ever yeah. the societal expectations that we conform uh are just the pressure is so much and if we uh you know if we are privileged enough to come to from families who are loving and caring and and want to help that expectation feels like a lot it's a very heavy burden to bear even if they've never sat you down and said that like even if they've never sat you down and said the expectation here is that you're going to go to school you're going to get decent grades you're going to go 
you know, to university, because that's what you do. You're going to get married. You're going to have 2.5 kids. You're going to live down the road. You're going to help me when I'm struggling with my health. Like, like nothing's ever like sat down and these are the rules, but we all know them. We all feel them. Um, and I, I mean, she felt it when she was 12. That's why she tried to, you know, she went off to boarding school and then why she ate. She feels like that is the main reason why she ate was to create a, a safety for herself. And when that didn't kind of push her parents away, like I think in some way she kind of wanted to not have good girl put on her. She didn't want them to love her because if they loved her, then there was that expectation she'd be a good girl. And she knew she couldn't live up to that quote unquote, knew she couldn't live up to that. Can any of us? And so she, you know, so she was doing all these things to try to rebel against it, trying to make them not love her. And they still loved her. Uh, what kind of a role do you think her family played in this whole thing? I, I have pages of notes about her family and that relationship. It was messy. What were your thoughts around it? I could see that the family was often coming from a place of concern. And I do think that even if she didn't tell them what happened, they might have sensed something is off with her because she she was changed. And of course, anybody would be changed overnight with that. But because she didn't tell, they didn't know what has happened. And then it started showing as excessive eating and, you know, sudden weight gain. So that's how they could show their concern. So I do believe that's where it was coming from. But Families have a b- way of being very insensitive and blunt sometimes. Yeah. Like, especially around weight. And I don't know, maybe it's different in different cultures, so I won't speak for everyone. But for my culture, it's like the first thing they say to you, oh, you have put on weight. Oh, oh you have lost weight. And I feel like, how how is this like a like, even if you're trying to compliment me that I've lost weight, it's still not a compliment, first of all. And secondly, it's like, maybe wait a few days before you bring that up. So it's one of those things, because I do have weight struggles in my life, I have had them. Like, whenever I visit back home, I dread it, like seeing all these um, ants, because I feel like they are going to make some comment about my body. And it's like the body's open like for a public forum for people to start making comments. Um, so yeah, that's why I feel like families, uh, even like your immediate family, they can be very insensitive in things like this. Like some days you call, I would call home and the FaceTime angle is different. <laughs> yeah. And the, the comment would be like, you have put on a lot of weight and then immediately the mood is off and you yeah, don't want to talk to them anymore. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and do men get that same type of scrutiny? No. That's one thing I feel like, at least when I see people talking in America, it's like, oh, yeah, you are obese. And it's like for men and women both. Yeah, there are messages that are still more towards women. Like if you see media and all, I'm not like hating that. But in personal interactions, I feel um, it's kind of kind of equal, if not exactly equal. But in our culture, I feel like uh, men get away with so much and women are put on like a very strict thing. Like uh, if you're not married, it's so much more because it's like, oh, you have to be marriageable by looking a certain way. Otherwise, you are not marriageable. 
so um yeah <laughs> not to sound like i'm bashing the culture but this thing definitely exists and i am speaking from my own personal experience um because i have a bit and every time it's like either oh you look good now you've lost weight or it's like oh no you've put on weight what's happening and i'm like none none of this sounds good to me right so how when you started reading i mean some of the books that you have on your podcast like they're they're very feminist they're very um uh you know we're not going to we're going to start thinking about women as more than just objects so when when you started to recognize that maybe some of these comments that were being made to you weren't making you feel comfortable and and kind of you know making the hairs on the back of your neck stand up how how did you deal with that and do you ever have to try to set boundaries and does that work i don't think boundaries exist in our culture mm. like if i try to set boundaries with my family they would not understand it as a concept mm. so the way i did that was create more physical boundary yeah like call people less or if i'm calling i would not do a video call with certain people because i did not want the call to start with a comment on how i'm looking so i would just do a audio call so that way i'm still talking to them but i don't i don't need that like i'll still love them like my uncles and aunts i love them i grew up with them but even if they are coming from a very innocent place because that's how the culture they have seen and they don't know it any different oh, that's yeah. people related to them and they are kind of passing on the same thing to me i don't want it so this is my way of creating some barriers at my end like you know you cannot say that to me and with uh with like friends and all when people start complimenting weight loss i slowly started changing the way i responded like i would say yeah sure like not act like i am happy about this comment they have made like i didn't want to engage in fights but i would put it out there that you know it's more than that just stop complimenting my body for being smaller yes yes it's never been about health no. honestly it's never been like i have been told this my entire life that oh we want you to be healthy but um i know i was healthy even when i didn't look healthy because health is much more than that health is um how your body is operating internally and if you get your annual test done you kind of know if you're healthy or not like if there are any issues you'll find out i was always healthy but people were constantly telling me you are not healthy uh, you should be healthy you should be working out more or you should be eating less and that that was such a thing that i have gone through and it has made me realize it's never been about health people didn't care about my health cuz i did lose weight at one point but i was sick at that point but i was getting complimented for that so nobody cares if i am healthy or not yeah healthy is kind of like good girl you know it's like yes. one of those terms of- yeah it's like they cannot say they cannot outright say i want you to be thin no so they will say no. i want you to be healthy exactly exactly so and like roxanne's family does that so much in this book and i feel so sad with that because i feel in the society you are already insecure if you are fat even if you're a little bit fat because there's so much messaging out there and then your worst insecurities are repeated to you by people who are supposed to love you who are supposed to love you unconditionally and they are saying these things back to you i i mean how hurtful that is 
It's awful. It's all, like her dad even says at one point, um, I'm only telling you these things because no one else will tell them to you. And it's like everybody tells her that. That's a blanket statement, though. Whenever someone wants to say really mean stuff to you and then they'll be like, oh, I'm only saying this because I care for you. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's yeah. I actually, we read uh, one book on this podcast, um, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. And she talks about trolls and concern trolling is what she calls it when someone brings up health. And she talks about how it's abusive and it's an abusive type of language where it's like um, they're trying to tell you what's supposed to be best for you and that your condition is all your fault. And I wouldn't say this to you if I didn't, if you didn't make me kind of thing, which is like language of abuse. And I'm like, I never really thought about it like that, but it is, it's, it's actually kind of true. And it's, so sad it's so sad um how our words can cut so much you know yeah it's like everything is your fault how you got to be fat how you stay fat how you don't like what you're saying that's also your fault because they should be allowed to say anything to you yeah yeah and that and I mean that goes for her rape that goes for even her sexuality that goes for her skin color like all of it is is wrapped up in this where it's like um, it's all your fault and it's because you look this way and it's because you are this way. And it's like even her experience with that, uh, not boyfriend, but the guy she thought was her boyfriend who eventually raped her. When you hear her story told in like retrospect, you can see he's abusive. You can mm. see that he doesn't want to hang out with her in public. He just wants to like, he shows her these playboy pictures and be like, oh, this is pretty. And you are not constantly demeaning her and breaking her. And, but it's so hard for young girls to see that even grown women to see that when you are in the situation. Right. So we need more, more education of sorts because all we see in TV is wrong. <laughs> it we doesn't do. work that way. I so agree with you there. I so agree that the messages we see everywhere are just bombarding us with what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to act and what success looks like. And it's, it's, it's so frustrating, especially if you don't see yourself represented. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And I actually, it was, I was having this conversation with my parents. Um, we have coffee every morning and we always get into these deep discussions where I basically, Oh, that tell sounds them, nice. It, it, it is, it is, it is. It's, it's sometimes we fix the problems of the world and sometimes we fight really badly. <laughs> Of course. (laughs) Uh, But we were talking about the objectification of women. And um, because uh, my mom's a realtor and there's someone that she knows because of her business that had a bunch of pinups of women in their garage. So they, the house was going to be shown and um, this garage full of basically women in bikinis uh, was going to have to be kind of taken down. But this person didn't wasn't really didn't really want to do that like they were kind of like you know maybe they just won't go in there and it was just like when are we going to learn that this is not okay that it is not okay for us to just throw women uh in bikinis uh and and say this is what we decide is beautiful and we're going to throw them on our walls just like they're another object like a beautiful car like a you know a great looking plane we're we're throwing them up on our walls like they're objects and we're going to admire them and we're not even going to 
we're not even going to try to hide it. It's all about their beauty and what they look like. And that's it. That's all that matters. And I'm just like, when are we going to realize that that's disgusting? When? <laughs> it's very de- dehumanizing for women. Totally. And I, and I looked at my dad and I'm like, you have two daughters. Like, would you, would you want your daughter to be, um, this isn't about being a successful model. I'm not talking like those women may have great, um, successful careers doing what they do and make good money. Absolutely. And I'm not, I think that that's great. That's wonderful for them. I'm saying the disgust comes from the fact that we have turned women into objects and we're okay with it. We're totally fine as a culture to say that that's what we're going to do. And dad's like, well, do you ever think it's going to get better? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I struggle right now to think of it as getting better. Cause yeah. Okay. Pinups, maybe it's not quite seen. Maybe people don't do that quite as often anymore. Also, we are in a digital world now. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, everything yeah, is happening right. online. Yes, yes. So I'm like, but there's still plenty of ways for us to cut down women and make them be seen as objects. It, so I'm like, I don't know. I have, I struggle to see it getting better. I, I wish it would, but. I also feel sad, like people, men start seeing this as sort of a problem only mm-hmm. when they have a daughter. And I feel like it's oh, already yeah. too late. When that's oh, yeah. happening. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think um, as someone who who does the reading and, and tries to do the work and, and I do like to pride myself on reading things that are feminist and all my work is body liberation stuff, fat acceptance stuff. I use whatever is in my arsenal. So if it's my dad, it's like, you have two daughters, you better be okay <laughs> with this. Um, but I use whatever's in my arsenal to try to get somebody to realize. And that's just an easy one. That's low hanging fruit if they have a daughter, but you're right. By that point, it's like, you've never really been taught that it was wrong. So and also at that point, I guess they, it comes from a place of fear because they know mm-hmm. how they have been to mm-hmm. women. So they feel like, Oh, somebody could be like that to my daughter. Now, now I care about this female, but before this, I didn't really care about females. Yeah. Yeah. You're right place of fear absolutely absolutely it's scary it's sad and I'm my heart breaks sometimes I don't know what do you think will it ever get better not until we start raising boys differently ah yes yes I love that I love that okay well so her (laughs) family I think honestly I didn't in the first uh, discussion I had about this book we really didn't get a lot of time to discuss her family and I really wanted to because I feel like That was so messy. And I don't know, what do you think? Will it get better? I mean, what I loved about this book, um, the first time I read it, I don't think I saw this, but now that I've read it a second time, I feel like closer to the end, she gets, she starts using words, not maybe in a way where she says I am, but she's using words more like healing and comfortable and um, uh, just things that are a lot more uh, conducive to her believing that she is worthy. And she does tell them about what happened to her and have a conversation with them somewhat around it. Uh, Do you think things will get better between her and her family in terms of her body and how they view her? I think they might get better because they understand where she is coming from or what happened to her led to this. So there definitely will be understanding is what I feel. But then again, I feel like the cultural um, things are very hard to get rid of. Because you're not always doing yeah. consciously. So if in my culture, thin bodies are accepted, 
in some ways that's always going to come back it's always going to come back as um this is for your health this is for your heart this is for your knees this is for you to get married to someone eventually because if you're fat nobody is marrying you so it could be anything but i feel it cannot ever completely go away yeah that's so sad i know we are getting sad right now <laughs> but on the other hand i think that for me this book felt like so much of it she was I know she said she doesn't like hugs, but you just really just wanted to wrap your arms around her and say, it's going to be okay. Like we, there's so many things we can do to help. Like there's, it's going to be okay. The world is a scary place. It's going to be okay. But I, I know like you, she- you want to reach out and you want to help. Yes. But, and then, but it's so tricky, right? When someone is so averse to touch, like how do you respect their space and still be there for them? Because we also don't know many ways of doing that. We only know that if someone is crying, you can hug them or you can pat them on their back and be like, okay, things are going to be better. But if someone doesn't accept both of those, how do you be there for them? Right. Well, and especially as women, I find that we are, going back to this whole good girl thing, we are expected to be touchy-feely. We are expected to vocalize our emotions a lot more. And if you don't do that, then you're seen as um, because I know I'm like that. I don't really like to be touched. I don't Me like, either. yeah, like I, I'm kind of, no, I, you know, and, and I have like very selected few people who can touch me, but, uh, yes. I also don't want to be that person. Cause I, that comes from a good girl place. Like if somebody is hugging me, like from extended family, I like reluctantly mm-hmm. give in, but I don't really want to hug them. Cause I yes. feel like you don't have that place in my life yet. You no. we don't connect and you don't have that place, but people don't understand. And I give in mm-hmm. and then I feel like I do myself a disservice by giving in because that didn't feel good. to. Yes. So, yeah, we are all stuck somewhere. In there. <laughs> we get mad at ourselves. But this goes to, yeah. to show how how culture really regulates our bodies, especially as women. Um, she is a, like, I mean, we could go probably off on this for days, but there were so many things in the book where she talked about the regulation of her body in particular, things like, um, you know, she can't find chairs to sit on. Uh, when she goes to the doctor's office, there's no gowns for her. The, the blood pressure cuff is too small. Like she goes off about her own life and how her body's regulated. She talks about anorexic bodies and how their bodies, like how she sits there and dissects their bodies and regulates their bodies to some degree. And then she talks about all these reality shows and celebrities and how their bodies get regulated. So how do you think, in what ways does she, does she talk about and what is she trying to say about the regulation of bodies in the world we're living in? That was like a huge question. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it is a loaded question. And I think there, there's definitely a lot in there, which probably I'm not qualified to talk about. So I can only talk about my own experiences in there. <laughs> Right. I mean, our culture has, I don't know if it was always like this, but it has come to this sort of a cookie cutter thing. I see like mm-hmm. fit this idea of a person we think you should be, or there's something wrong with you always. Mm-hmm. So whether you are too thin, too fat, too tall, or, you know, too black, too dark, too brown. Yeah. I don't think yeah. there's a thing like too white, but <laughs> I mean, there is because people do tan, right? They they're so much into tanning, so even they are not happy with like their whiteness, yeah. even though there's like privileges attached. So that's exactly. a different discussion. But yeah. still, like 
we are never really happy with who we are and yeah. i guess that i feel that there's also like a industry behind it of like keeping us unhappy because how else are we going to buy all these things we don't really need but the part about chairs and her not getting the gowns i think that that is again dehumanizing a, totally a total set of people you have considered irrelevant or of sorts or you don't or you punish them basically right you you think they should be thin how dare they let their bodies get there so many people are saying statements like how do people not realize they get, got here and you know what you would also not realize if stuff was happening in your life and your body was changing for whatever reason you would also not realize it's very easy yeah. to make statements sitting on the outside and, but that's what a whole industry is doing like the whole medical industry or mm-hmm. government so like yeah. when these big institutions are doing that uh it's it has big consequences versus yeah. when some individuals do it and i don't think it's fair for anyone to suffer that like how um women are not believed so much when they go with symptoms right mm-hmm. so in that sense you are totally disregarding female experience because majority of your studies are done on men so you don't see their experiences you're right dehumanizing is the word uh is the perfect word to describe what happens um i i'm in a fat body i am fat i label myself mm-hmm. as such and i'm okay with it uh but i am I have never had to deal with the things she's had to deal with. I have never I don't have a ton of stores I can walk into, but I have a handful. Uh I have never looked at a chair and been worried about sitting in it. It's never given me bruises. I've never worried about breaking a chair. You know, like these are the types of things that I think some people while they well well especially if they've never had anybody in their life who is um that size have never had to even contemplate so for some reason they seem to think that well if we shame them enough then they'll they'll conform you know they will go in and do something about the problem which i mean that really bothers me because our bodies are never a problem in my opinion ever and you can uh, fix them like that not with shame nothing can be fixed with shame no and studies have been pretty clear on that that actually weight stigma uh increases health problems so doing this is actually not it's never helpful i i don't know why it's kind of like what you were saying about those other statements that are just kind of an excuse to be fat phobic uh they you know they throw it out well shame of course they need a little bit of shame in their life and it's sort of like well if you know the indignities of the things that she has to deal with on a regular basis then <laughs> you wouldn't say that because she gets shamed all the time and nobody even has to say anything culture just yeah, it was heartbreaking it. to read and i'm pretty sure she only mentioned a few occurrences of her life it's not everything every single thing that she has gone through but reading that i also felt a little ashamed because i also didn't think about it because i have not been in a position where i had issues with chair like you said right like i i might have felt insecure about my weight but i was never at that point um and i am not that tall either so she's a tall person so accordingly her size is going to be bigger right but but yeah like when i was reading that as like 
yes, we all need to be more aware of this. We all need to be more considerate towards people, especially like she mentions, he was called for a talk or something. How do you not think about it then? I know. I I don't get, I I never got that. I mean, I guess when she wasn't quite as famous, maybe there wasn't as many pictures of her, maybe. Yeah, I think she does mention that maybe in a different instance or the same. I don't remember that. But but yeah, I think to be in that situation, we go to a party and we think everybody else is thinner than I am. And that is shame enough for us. No matter how much work we do, it still has that trigger. Imagine going to a place and seeing a small chair and be like, okay, I'm not going to fit in this. Now, what is what is my course here? Do I ask them to change the chair or do I like squat the entire time? That's what she does. And it actually pained me reading that experience. Like how, because I can't imagine doing that for like the entire length of something. No. And it, she's, she essentially, I think one of the lines she says is uh, the bigger you are, the smaller your world gets. And I was just like, my God, that is so true. Because all of a sudden, socially, she's like, well, I'm just not going to go to that restaurant then. I'm just not going to go out to a movie. I'm just not going to. And there's all these things that she can't do, not because she doesn't want to, but because of her size. And that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And there's also that want in there, right? Initially, you don't go to places because you don't want to. And then there's also like added layer of you can't really fit in some places. So it's it's sad. It's awful. So what did you think about her whole journey in terms of body acceptance, in terms of um, disordered eating, in terms of uh, even feminism, really? Because feminism kind of overlaps with this. She knows that as a woman, she shouldn't have to be certain things. And yet at the same time, she wants to be thinner. Well, she did write a book called Bad Feminist, right? <laughs> she does talk about, I have not read it, True. but I guess True. like that's what it's. And to me, all of this speaks to just that she's a human. Yes. She doesn't have to fit one box or the other. She's anyway going to be letting down a lot of people, no matter what she does. If she doesn't do yeah. the surgery, she's probably letting down her family and the people on that side of the world who are telling her that you should be smaller, you should be smaller. And then people in the movement might be like, oh, how dare you do this step? Because now you are going away from the what movement believes in. But I feel like it could also be a decision for her health. Yeah, there might be risk, but it's also, like she mentioned, it's not easy to carry a heavier body <laughs> around mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to like, if you're lighter, that's mm-hmm. just a fact. And mm-hmm. if, if you feel like it's hurting your knees, hurting your ankles, like she broke her ankle, right? So like if, if there are real things happening and you are sick of it, basically you are sick of something and you feel like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. That's your right as a human. And I feel like this scrutiny she gets is also probably because she's a woman. And I was actually thinking about this before our talk today. And this thought came to me that language probably plays a big role because we interchange man and human but we don't interchange woman and human so in some sense subconsciously man is human woman is not and our culture is constantly dehumanizing women by telling them this is what they should be this is what they should look like and for anything the backlash women get is much greater than a man in the same position would like whether it's like 
being a vamp on a TV, like the hatred women get versus men are praised for playing a great villain on TV. Uh, I remember Breaking Bad was one which really shocked me. So I don't know if you have seen the show. No, I haven't actually. <laughs> so there's this one woman uh, who people thought of as like uh, a vamp. She really wasn't. If you see the show, she was right in what she was doing, but she was just getting in the way of the main guy and she got so much hate mail. And that that incident has kind of stayed with me as an example of mm. like how how people can like you know really attack women yes well and Roxanne Kay isn't just a woman she's an opinionated woman you know like she actually is making us think about women's um, about all these ideas about what a woman should be she's making us think about all those things so um, but I know she did say in here too that her ideas are not what people come after her for. It's her body that they come after her for, which I think is also a very woman thing. Like I feel like, yeah, men get hate mail for whatever it is they do, I'm sure. And women do as well. But if you're fat, that is like a thousand percent what you get more hate mail on. It's what they zone in on. And and they think, I think it, even just by being a woman, like not even being fat or not, doesn't matter what your sexuality is, yeah. what your color is. It's just, you have to be a woman and they will come calling you slut. They'll come with rape threats for you. Oh yeah. So all kinds of stuff. Like men don't experience any of this. No, it's true. And fat's just an extra layer on top yes, of that. Definitely it is. Because now you are a, a ugly woman who like, you are like not a woman. So there's like, you know, all these extra well, things. Well, the one thing she talks about is how um, memes go around of her, pictures of her that say typical feminist underneath them. And that's just like, oh my God. So like, there's so many layers there of things that they think are wrong with what she looks like that it's just so like, oh my, like that was mind blowing to me. That was mind. I was like, I can't believe that. That's just, well, that's also the propaganda against feminism that has started since feminism has started. Right. So you can still find all these old posters where they would have like a woman, uh, like a man on the floor and woman has her heel on his head. Like, this is what a feminist is like, just because she wanted to work, uh, doesn't translate her to someone who like kick around her husband or like, so there's always been this push to like control women and it it hasn't stopped and even now like in france you hear there's like they are saying like hijabs are not allowed what is it like one it's islamophobia but then also you're regulating women's bodies you're telling them what they can wear or they cannot wear in some countries you have to wear hijab that is a rule so that's a different kind of regulation so it's like all these rules come out for women alone Yes. Yes. No, it's abs- that's absolutely true. I didn't know that in France they were doing that. Wow. Yeah, it's quite recent. So it's also surprising things are happening in 21. But then again, maybe not so surprising because when have they stopped really? It's so much regulate. Yeah, no, I uh, uh, the body is not apology talks about this where I didn't I guess I never really thought about the 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 uh, political side of bodies 
I had never really thought about it until she started talking about how, you know, all this stuff is legislated about what we can and can't do with our bodies. And it, it was like eye opening to me because I was like, I've never really thought about it that. And part of that is my own, um, you know, I mean, I'm a white woman living in Canada where, you know, there's no regulations. Well, there is regulations, but there's not as many regulations. And I'm white. So I'd never really thought about it. I have a ton of privilege in that way. And so it was kind of eye-opening to me. It was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, like, wow. Um, and it, it, it's, it's also really frustrating because other people don't see it. They figure that if it's a law, then it's just, and it's right. And they don't recognize that that's not true. It's actually racist and sexist. And they don't, they will never contemplate that because they're like, well, our political leaders wouldn't steer us wrong. And it's so, such a frustrating attitude to have. Also, it's yes, something, again, that doesn't affect them, right? Let's say we are talking about That's regulating abortions, for example, yeah. right? Men don't feel that, men don't go through, um, it entirely becomes a women's problem. Um, there are cases that happen with married couples, but there are so many cases that happen where women are alone and that's why they want to, you know, abort because they are not in that phase of their life or whatever reason. I don't need to explain a reason here. But the fact that this regulation doesn't really directly impact men, they they, they pay little to no thought. And then, uh, then all these movements, women are just like yelling and screaming alone because men don't understand. It's like how we were talking about chairs, right? Until we think how it might feel if we were in the situation, we would not have empathy. And that's what men need to do. They need to put, put themselves in our shoes for a second to see how it would feel if government was to regulate their sperm. Like, you know, just think of it. Yeah, no, exactly. That is so true. That is so true. Oh, that's frustrating. Um, <laughs> uh, so I had a couple of questions. I, I sent those to you after that I got from my Facebook group. So I thought I would uh, bring those in here because they wanted to know. So if you were to lend this book to a friend, uh, how would you prepare them for it? Because like you and I both said, this is a pretty intense book. So how would you prepare your friend to read a book like this? I actually very recently recommended this book to a friend mm. who is a male and mm -hmm. would not read this book ever on his own, of course. Because, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, um, I mean, I don't want to generalize men, but I feel like no. his interests are more like psychology, philosophy, that kind of books and not like memoirs by women. So that's why I think I would not, he would not pick this book. So I recommended and he asked, what is it about? And I told him that this book for me is an example of um, or a great lesson in empathy and this book will teach us not to judge people before we know them oh that's beautiful I love that did he did he take it from you is he gonna read it I think he put it on hold like cool. he gets his book from I hope he I told him to listen to the audiobook because I thought that was more powerful to listen to mm -hmm. her in her own voice so I hope he listens to it because I think even if you don't relate to all of it, there's still a lesson in there, especially when she relates her experiences of where she felt like her dignity was taken away. I think we can all learn from that. And maybe next time before we judge a fat person for how they have become this way, we would stop yeah. 
to think that we don't know their life. Do you think someone who's just kind of starting on a journey of body positivity, let's say, uh, would be able to read this book or do you think it would be too triggering? I think we all read books differently, so it's hard to tell, but I don't think it should be triggering because it, to me, it felt relatable. And I think relatability is a big thing whenever you're starting on a journey to know that there have been people out there with similar experiences who have seen things and who have come out of it, even if not completely, who have managed to come out of it in some way or the other. Yeah, it's. I like how she, because some memoirs try to wrap things up in a bow. She didn't do that. I like that. I don't think I like, this is a real. thing you can ever completely stop feeling. <laughs> Like even if I feel like even if I become a thin person, the thoughts and, and feelings are never gonna go away. Um, like even if like tomorrow I am to wake up in like a supermodel like body, I think I would still be the same person inside. I would still remember all the things that were said to me. So yeah, it's gonna stay. So if somebody had read this one, is there one you would recommend they read after that's kind of in a similar vein, maybe? So I would recommend a book, um, but it's not about body positivity. It's more about feminism. Yeah. Um, it's called The Power by Naomi Elderman. It's it's a fiction and it beautifully shows you how the world would look like if we reversed the gender roles. And yeah. it brings to your attention and makes you question so many things which we take for granted today which we think are normal because we have been conditioned to think they are normal mm-hmm. yeah so that's the book yeah, it's a fiction and also like sort of fantasy in there but uh you you get the point when you read it i love it <laughs> i love it no that sounds great that's going on my reading list too <laughs> all right well let's let's finish up with you just kind of talking about what kind of things you've got going on right now, any kind of things that are happening, places people can find you, um, and everything you mentioned, the links will be in the show notes. So like I mentioned, I have my two podcasts, which are keeping me pretty busy during this time. (laughs) (laughs) So one is 11 questions podcast, and I can send you the link um, in the email later. And the other one is Brown Girls Read, where we read books and, you know, discuss them with the brown lens. And we are right now reading Unfinished by Priyanka Chopra. Mm. I don't know if you know her. She's a Bollywood, Hollywood Mm -hmm. actress. Mm -hmm. And that's the one we are reading and we are going to bring it to the podcast soon. Oh, that sounds great. I'll make sure that I listen for that (laughs) one. I'm excited. That's so cool. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Damon. Thank you for being on Fat Girl Book Club. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great talking about this book and about my experiences as well. I think it was cathartic in some ways. That was such a great conversation. Again, I this is the second time that I have done this book on the podcast and it never ceases to amaze me that there is so much here to discuss. And honestly, an hour is not enough time for us to get into everything. I loved that Damon and I were able to take this to a different place than my original conversation with Nicola Haggett. Again, there will be a link in the show notes if you want to read those, if you want to listen, not read those, if you want to listen to those together. (laughs) I want to just pull out right now that 
Damon talks about how in reading this book, the biggest lesson that she gets out of it is to have empathy for other people, to be able to look at people in larger bodies and try to show compassion and understand, maybe not understand or be able to relate to, but at least be able to, on a logical level, understand the challenges that go along with being in that body and show empathy and compassion to another human being. I loved that. I thought that was the biggest takeaway from this conversation for me. Just as a reminder, please go ahead and grab your copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. There will be a link in the show notes. And if you've already got your copy, come and join us on Facebook. Let's talk. Let's talk. There'll be a link in the show notes for the book club Facebook group. Come join us. Maybe win a book. Keep reading, everyone. Mm -hmm.